What's up, guys? It is the long-awaited podcast with Andrew from Snake and Jakes, my good friend. Part one, coming at you. Exactly. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers. <laughs> so, folks, that was Fernette, and this is my very good friend, Andrew Ledford. Andrew has been one of my biggest influences as a bartender throughout my career, and I've been known him for about 12 years now. It's been a very long time. Um, Andrew, tell me about yourself. Tell everyone about yourself. Uh, let's see. I was born in rural Alabama. I uh, grew up and went to high school there, and after leaving high school, got a uh, got accepted to Tulane University and moved down to New Orleans to attend. I had been uh, working off and on in a couple of bars in the Birmingham area, because I was really into music, and I didn't really want to be at home. And, back in high school? Yeah, back in high school. And nice. I happened to be a larger person both now and then. Right. And it was... Uh, <laughs> Mistaken for a grown-up by, <laughs> and when I was asking to work at this work at this music club, and uh, you know, I'm not saying I worked every day. I'm not that sure. sure I worked every other day, but you know, a couple times a month makes a makes a 14 year old feel great. It does, especially <clears throat> in an industry like ours. Absolutely, and you know, did that throughout high school. Had a couple of other, you know, met, met many people in the industry, both in Birmingham and Atlanta. And, you know, people visiting from New Orleans. And when I moved down here to go to college, uh, through one of those connections, got a job on Bourbon Street. Well, Bourbon I Street, no I idea. I, yeah, I, I'm sure you've told me about this because, like I said, you've been serving me for the better part of my life in the sense of we all, our life starts when we are of age as an adult, so to speak. Right. So you, the better part of my adult life, you've been serving me. I didn't realize, I don't... I'm sure I've just forgotten, but I didn't realize that you started on bourbon. Where'd you start on bourbon? Uh, bourbon Street Blues Company. Oh, BBC. <laughs> three for one all day upstairs. You know it, baby. Dude, three for one all day upstairs <laughs> is something that I fucking miss. Because when we would do the weddings at Latrobe's, we would get out of those weddings at like midnight and have 150, 200 bucks just real quick. Mm-hmm. Go into BBC, grab... Three beers, three shots, do it like twice with two other bartenders, 
start your night perfectly and then just boom, head uptown, mm-hmm. get out of the fucking French Quarter, but it was right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, before B-Max, I think that was the the secret mm-hmm. service industry hangout was the upstairs at BBC, but only between the hours of 7 and 10. Exactly. Well, it, we like I said, we would pop in there real quick and get right out. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. We would uh, go to Copper Monkey a lot, too, which I'm hearing more and more about being a late-night service industry spot. <clears throat> I've never been. I generally, at this point, if I'm out at that time of night, um, I'm at work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... That brings us to the more important part of the story. Since uh, how long did you last on Bourbon? Very long, almost a year. Almost a year. Wow. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was. It was, it was watching doctors go after underage hookers <laughs> <laughs> on the street that morally broke me. What shit? This is in the nineties, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, this is old, old Bourbon Street. Oh man. <laughs> you, did you uh, get to a bar back or bartender? Or did you start at the door? What? I started at the door. I bartended a little bit. And, uh, it didn't work out for me. It was starting to steal my interest away from actual school and being a, an attempt to be a morally righteous 18 year old. It's like, you know, <laughs> I got this opportunity elsewhere and this is way too much fun and money. Right. That's the truth. Um, so that being said, I'd rather, uh, let's talk about what, let's talk a bit about your time at Tulane and then. I'll fast forward it without just spoiler to it that you became, you've now, you teach it to in as well. But because I, I want to get into where you, Snake and Jake's after that. Clearly, yeah, Snake and Jake's is where you spent the majority of your time Absolutely. in the bar industry. So um, at, you mentioned at Tulane, uh, you wanted to focus more on school and things like that. I did. And um, th- I, by the time I was a, a sophomore, I found out for the first time that the way I read wasn't like everyone else. And I was <laughs> dyslexic. And I found that out when I tried to learn Latin. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, word order and <clears throat> becomes very important, especially in a, non- in a language that isn't spoken. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't hack it and I couldn't figure out why. And it was explained to me that maybe you, maybe one day you could master ancient Greek and Latin, but it would be incredibly difficult. And they're essential for the, for the classical history degree that I wanted and the right. maybe future teacher, teaching position that I also wanted. Okay. So I had to kind of come to Jesus meeting with myself at that point and went, no, I don't. I don't think I got this in me. It's 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 not. No, and you know, kind of got lost for a second and found myself in the art building taking a a ceramics course as a possible new interest. I played uh, played music in high school. Played in a, in a in a wind ensemble. I played French horn and okay. Tulane's. <clears throat> I didn't feel the same way about Tulane's music program as I did about the one why I was in high school. And uh, tried something else. Was it more classical or was it more marching that you were trying to do? No, well, I'm not trying to. No, 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 both, both, both of the parts that I enjoyed were classical. Okay. And I was seeking that at the two lane level. Um, but I didn't enjoy the program. They weren't playing. They were, my, my high school program just, you know, through happenstance happened to be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were playing things that were a lower level of difficulty. Right. Well, <clears throat> which, you know, it didn't challenge me and I wasn't interested. Let me pause this on that note for one second. Sure. Sorry about that, guys. I wanted to change the batteries on us just in case. So we're literally 45 seconds later, and Andrew was just talking about um, how much easier – oh, not easier. Easier, sure, is the word, but just how less advanced the program was that he expected. Well, I had always found it easy to hack my way through in English despite my you know, learning difference. 
Oh, it's always a music though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Music, obviously you can hear it. You mm-hmm. can work it out. It's, it's not the same kind of visual transposition that you, that one might experience in a, in dyslexia of which there are apparently many types. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and, and I took Spanish in high school and it could be spoken. I can figure it out. You can figure I'm it out. A ver- I'm a, I'm a, apparently I have a, I have a talent for verbal tasks. Okay. Um, it's well, it makes sense know, transmitting from the written word to, you know, sense in the mind that is where I, I fall down a little bit. Part of the, one of the key traits to being a great bartender is I say you have to be good at every aspect of bartending personally. That's just my look at it. Um, and, but, but the most important one is conversation. I don't give a fuck if you can pump out drinks. You can't talk to people. That's the fundamentals of bartending with original psychiatrists, psychologists. Either they keep you into a closet until it gets five deep and then lock you back in there when it starts to get slow. (laughs) Like the fucking Gimp. (laughs) (laughs) This is the machine. He just pumps out the drinks. Right, exactly. (laughs) Don't talk to him. Uh, But what you're saying, though, is you happened into the music department and it Mm -hmm. wasn't quite as advanced as what you guys were working on at your high school because yeah, you had a really it, nice program. It wasn't it wasn't directly as challenging as the uh, the program I came from in high school. Obviously as seeing as I was a freshman it didn't have the same um, you know community for me as I did I, as I had left. And between those two things I lost interest. Sure. Quickly. And sure. just to have, I was like, well if, if if I've really made this choice to not pursue this as a major or a minor, why don't I concentrate on what I am? Right. That was something that I kind of found um, in college with foreign language as something that I really excelled in in high school with French. Um, I went through all of our programs that we had at Holy Cross and I was one of the higher averages in the class. Um, I just grasped the written part of French very, very easily. The spoken part, Mm -hmm. not so much back then. I've, I've gotten better with my pronunciation and my accent since then. I'm sure her living over there during college helped. Although not practicing writing in college because the programs in college were so much more infantile compared to what we had um, over at Holy Cross. I went through everything in my first three, in all three years, French one, two, and three in college Mm -hmm. in the first like 10 weeks of high school, like the first 10 weeks of French one, we went through fucking all kinds of crazy shit. We had to write papers and everything. It was, it was a ridiculous program. But so I, I see where you're coming from mm-hmm. with that because it just made me not want to study any of the advanced stuff because it went from that garbage yeah. to now you have to read a novel and critique this novel in French. It's like what the fuck just happened? But the, there's no, there was, there was no in between as, as far as that UNO went. Um, obviously I was not at Tulane and I don't know, I'm not saying anything about their foreign language program because I don't know anything about right. it. Right. Well, I, I, and I'm not saying about their music, anything about the music department mm-hmm. now or mm-hmm. the music department then. It may sure. just have simply been a choice of, if memory serves at the time, the conductor was a string player. String players inherently seem to have a, lo- a greater love of string-centric music. Mm-hmm. My director from high school was a bass trombone player, so he definitely had had a taste for things that were brass-centric in his, right. in his choices. And I wasn't necessarily interested in playing what they were offering. No, that makes Regardless sense. Regardless of skill level. Well, that, but that was part of the thought with process me, at the time. But with me studying film at uh, mm-hmm. UNO, if we would have had directors that, like, they have this guy, Lauren Bonai, that was one of the graduate assistants um, in the graduate program. He's a really, really great writer. If he wouldn't have been writing things like zombie comedies, I wouldn't have had nearly as much fun. Like, right. people, it, it's all in the creativity that everyone's coming together with. 
and you know, and the, the leaders in the college program. experience is about it's. Yeah, there's a there's a blanket boilerplate way to teach most subjects, mm-hmm. but there's a stylized one and a, a school of thought of all on all different subjects. And when you get to the college level, you're looking to follow someone whose school of thought you agree with, and that's the truth. I wasn't down with what this guy was doing. That's the truth. Um, all that being said, you clearly did not stick with the music, and I know where which you ended up in, and that, mm-hmm. that is um, glass blowing. Correct? Was that the yeah, next I, step? I I, um, I start, took a, a ceramics course mm-hmm. that seemed the most accessible at the time. I wasn't necessarily interested in a in in two D work. I've never been one to draw, but I've always been somewhat of one to build. Sure. Um, so I took a ceramics course, and um, like I said before, I didn't necessarily agree with the uh, the professor at the time school of thought. And um, and during that time, became fast friends with the grad student in the glass program that was right down the hallway in the basement of the art building. Um, came fast friends, and within a <clears throat> within a semester or so, I took my first class from that man. Okay, and his name is Greg Genius. He was a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, still in contact with him? Uh, I'm not. He's uh, he's been in and out of town for the last few years. He works in Cosmo, film. What are you doing, you wild animal? Jesus, sorry. <laughs> He works in film, but I just, you know, for better or worse, and I often think that it's worse, between my life and times, my choice of occupation, I have a really wide group of acquaintances, and whether it's my own social laziness or it's realistic between my nighttime job at Snakes, my daytime job at uh, assisting Gene Koss, mm-hmm. and just in my walks through life, I know a lot of people and I can't pursue them all, so when they come into my life, I'm glad. When they're out of my life... I occasionally miss, but for the most part, I'll see him again at some point. That's what it's I love a about small it. town. That, that's what I love about our industry and our town. One hundred percent. That's the truth. Um, so, if I see Greg again, I'll say, "Hey, how you doing?" Give him a hug. But I haven't seen him in a while. Sure. So from there, it just went straight to focusing on glass blowing, focusing your craft, or did you think that, like, did you know that that was going to be your major? Well, to be, um, it was. It was. Not really a major of mine. My major was uh, my major was classical history, and I okay. finished all that. The core the core requirements for that major is a, by the time I was a sophomore, and I just had a a minor to pick and a whole bunch of credit hours to fill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that's kind of how I got into film. Except I ended uh, up choosing it as my major because for a while when I was. Originally, when I first got in, I was, I was studying business and it was soul crushing. Mm-hmm. I can't fucking do it. Um, I wanted to fucking kill myself. Not literally, figuratively, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, I took every fucking elective you could ever imagine trying to find where I was going to land. And mm-hmm. in the process, I found film and through film, it became my major because I wasn't going to do, I was not going to major in geology or anthropology or something like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Sorry guys, making this little cocktail. Andrew bought, brought us some really great Suntory gin, uh, Roku gin, and some homemade fucking watermelon juice, which is incredible. I'm about to chug down the cocktail that he made me before we started and give a little taste of it. Um, it's fucking great. It's fucking balanced. This juice is all of the flavor that you want from a watermelon. Um, 
It doesn't taste diluted. Um, this Roku Gin hides perfectly in there. It just has a wonderful balanced piece to it. You basically don't taste it. It's uh, the same way that people always joke that they don't want to taste their liquor, which I think is absurd, unless it's being <clears throat> perfectly matched the way this is. Well, something I've been messing around with of late night at Snakes late in the last, I'd say, six months is this concept of boat drinks. This is very much a boat drink. <laughs> we should have some Yacht Rock on, all jokes aside. <laughs> as much as Yacht Rock. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, for years and years and years, you would have you know, your standard, you know, party punch, you know, some overly sugared, mm-hmm. unctuously sweet and overly fake fruity garbage you had in a bowl with some with some ice and maybe some ice cream in it. <clears throat> but just something completely overwrought. But everyone enjoyed it because it was it was relatively inexpensive. It was a communal experience. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if somebody had a hangover, everybody had a hangover. Exactly. I spent... <laughs> when I first moved back from Austin, which is when I truly became a regular, regular of snakes. Mm-hmm. I was always a regular and I always enjoyed to go cheers. Yeah, that stuff's fucking so easy to make, too. It comes out great. So we have the gin. We've got the watermelon juice. We've got a little Perrier. We've got a little, little bit of lime juice. The tiniest dash of simple. And it's, it's all dependent on the watermelon. That's why when, it I, was, is. when I drove over here, I was drinking the, the raw watermelon juice. Because you don't know until you drink it. Right. Right. So the littlest dash of uh, simple. And then a little bit of lime juice. And fucking, man, is this stuff good. But when I first moved back... I remember we were hanging out at um, F&M's. I was working at the Columns, and it was about to be spring break, and fucking Rob bailed on us on spring break. He's like, yeah, we'll use the family condo, this and that and the other. <laughs> Fuck you, you didn't do it. I love you to death, my brother. Love you, but you didn't do it. So I ended up having to go on spring break with some other friends, which was still, it was a blast. And we were making the rage juice every day. Mm-hmm. And motherfucker, did I have a hangover. <laughs> I have never had a hang a five day hangover like this in my life, mm-hmm. and it was just because I was only drinking the juice, laying out in the sun, and not drinking water. Jeez, it was brutal. This stuff, however, with this Perrier added to it, you get your water, yeah. and the watermelon is very light, hydrating. It's all day. Uh huh. This is great. So, with all that being said, guys, we keep we keep flirting with the idea and hinting at it. Snake and Jake's is where Andrew now quote-unquote, resides and has risen. That's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a good, solid, long while. It's been, it's been a minute that you've been um, bartending there, let alone head bartending, and I believe now managing for quite some time now. Um, not Management's... It's a, it's, a, it's a loose term. It kind of exists right. amongst all of us. Uh, Elaine right. Varnes, our, uh, our official manager, mm-hmm. um, does a fantastic job, but it's a, it's a communal effort. On most day-to-day operations. No, it, it feel, that feels definitely a lot like what we had at the Columns, where mm-hmm. whether it was Rob, whether it was Drew, whether it was Grant, whether it was Justin, at any type of management or assistant management position, I was the head bartender and I helped them with anything they needed. The only thing that I that they did that I would not do for them is the orders and the schedule. Mm. Otherwise, they needed anything, I got it for them, no matter what. I like working amongst a group of people, and I think I do right now, where on any given day, if everyone else can't do anything, mm-hmm. one person can prop the business up for at least a week. 100%. 100% with everyone that's there. You guys have a great staff. And you guys got It's not even a staff. It's a family. So, so anyway. I've, I've been told by other people who are familiar that 
derogatory in a derogatory way or not were referred to as the family. That's the truth. That is the truth. Because whether people like it or not, that's Snake and Jake's. You're gonna have one to two bartenders, and if it's slow, it's slow. Sorry, guys, that's just, that's how it works. That's part of the the mystique of the bar. It stays what it has always been. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so st- tell me how you started at Snakes. Well, I first started this place called Butler's that uh, happened to be owned by a bartender, and I believe I believe Tom was a, officially a bar back at Snakes, but bartended plenty as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they bought this place called Butler's on River Road and Milladon. So Leak and Milladon officially. Uh, Is right. that now a CrossFit studio? I don't it's think like that so. triangle building right no, there. It's a little further down. It's a, it's um, Milladon's that street that doesn't go across doesn't go across St. Charles. I believe one block towards the river. I'm talking bend. about. I'm talking about like Chapatulas, like in between. No, no, this is uh, not Chapatulas. I'm, I'm sorry, that was the wrong, the wrong. Excuse me. You're good. Um, where Cooter Browns is? Um, what's the name of that fucking street? <clears throat> river that's, Road. Yeah, right. That's it's Leak. Leak. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. River Road, but it's they officially that, Leak. They have that, like, that green triangle building. It is. That's there. a CrossFit, CrossFit studio. This is further towards. Uh, Towards where Broadway intersects with with Leak. Oh yes, by the Hidden so, Dog Park. Mid- yes. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a basketball court, mm-hmm. and then there's a street Cooter Brown side of that basketball court mm-hmm. with a house on one side and what looks like an old bar or at least a not a residential property on the other side. I believe it's I still it, painted it's, brick red. Yes, that place is fucking dope. It's a it's a residential now. I think. Yeah, it used to be a place called Butler's. That's the shit. <laughs> wow. Buzzer on the door. Um. I was their first or second door person at the request of... I happened to start hanging out there when I was a... It was the place where subculture kids hung out when I was mm-hmm. in college. Whether it be punk or ska or hip-hop or EDM or whatever. Did, so, since you are a few years older than me, not too many years, but you are a few years older than me. And it's, it's not about that. I don't understand <laughs> that. But it's just... I started in the industry bartending-wise at 18. And I started hanging out in the industry at 16... But I didn't make it to places like Nick's um, mm-hmm. and obviously places like Butler's that were these subculture type cool places. And that what I'm getting the question I'm getting at is, is this something like Nick's? Um, quite a bit. Okay. I would say even less on the public radar, but mm-hmm. equal on the on the underbelly radar, if you will. So that sounds kind of like it could have, and I don't mean this in any kind of a dick measuring contest or negative way, but the way snakes would be back in the day versus the way Miss Mays was back in the day. Now they're both equally big places, but back in the day, a lot of people had the, Oh, you're going to get shown if you're there. Shut the fuck up. People come yes, along. Very much so. So yeah, that sounds like, like it was, fun. it was, it was the supposedly it was, it was snakes, you know, little brother at the time. Mm-hmm. That's a cool um, fucking thing. It was fun. They, they, they were, their claim to fame was a, uh, a couple of fully functional Ataris in the room, a bunch of board games. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> the same sort of, you know, seedy seventies lounge kind of decor as snakes did. Mm-hmm. Um, even in some Christmas or mm, Christmas, uh, elements hanging from the ceiling that we almost set on fire multiple times because <laughs> you're not supposed to set off bottle rockets in a bar. Cheers to that. <laughs> That's the Alabama in you, sir. And I love it. That's another. But I started hanging out there when I when I was at a, I, I I was kind of a hanger on on a at a college radio show that was specifically directed towards uh, ska music. Okay. And got the word from the the DJ at the time 
this guy Brad Moran who now lives in a in Australia and teaches in Melbourne, I believe. That's pretty fucking cool. I'd love to do that <clears> at some point. Um, you know, eventually th- got blessed into that. Met several people through his friend group, and I don't remember which one dragged me to Butler's for the first time. Right. And made fast friends with the bartender, both bartenders. Uh, and that was Tom? Uh, no, Tom was re- was not present a whole lot of time. Now okay. there was uh, the other owner, Jose. Um, but the two guys who were there, this guy named Troy Pelican, who I believe at last, at, at my last word, he, he was either fundraising... Professionally fundraising for the uh, New Orleans school district, mm-hmm. or I also heard that he went to work for managing a B and B. I really don't know. He and I haven't spoken for no several years for no other reason than you know lives change. Exactly, um, it's, it's part of the industry. You make his partner. Big. His partner Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, I still see on a weekly basis. He's oh, a regular of mine. Which Dave is this? Do I know this Dave, Dave? Leslie? Quote unquote, little Dave. I feel like I know Dave. I feel like I do. He's good people. He's mm-hmm. a, I think he's a, he's a, he's a professional, inve- he's a corporate investigator. That's not the one that brought you on to Snakes, correct? Uh, no, he is not. I got brought on to Snakes. I was introduced to the people at Snakes uh, at the time, this guy named Griper. Oh, and, that's, uh, that's, yes, and, Griper. I knew, and I knew their, was, their doorman at the a... time, Jeff, was, um, you know, doing some other things in life and they needed to fill in. I, and I was already working the door at Butler's and, mm-hmm. you know, jumped in. And, now. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, within a year or so, I was behind the bar. And, you know, I guess within a few years after that, Katrina happened. And, you know, saw it, saw it coming the night before, pretty much the night before it hit at Snakes and left at 7 o'clock in the morning and opened the place up at the first week of October, you know, a couple months later. So what was – this is actually – that's a very interesting um – Fun tangent to go down because who knows when this will be released and it could actually be the week of Katrina. Realistically, that's not a joke. Um, I've never thought about what happened with snakes during Katrina. I should have as much time as I've spent in there just thinking by myself, like nothing around, like in between conversations and shit. What was the damage like there? Um, well, I was, there were people in and out. Uh, but in the time that I was out of town, uh-huh. um, that was, you know, a couple of people who attached to the owners to check on things, but by and large, the place was untouched. The only real damage I found inside uh-huh. was, you know, the, the dust and a little bit of mold that you get after, you know, being sure. out air conditioning for a month in, in New Orleans. Orleans. Period. Right. I and, just had to get, since, as you know, I just sure. moved, um, out of uptown New Orleans, out of an old, um, uptown shotgun. And, um, I literally just had to get all of my fucking clothes recleaned as far as like my suits and my dress clothes, because they were starting to have like just basic fucking white mold and mildew yep. growing on them because my fucking power went out for like two days or some bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. It was. And you know, the first job was to wipe everything down with a ble with a lightly bleached cloth. Right. Exactly. Everything. Exactly. Exactly. Ceiling, walls, floors, baseboards. Furniture, everything. I'll never forget uh, the house that we're in right now, recording this podcast, is the house I grew up in. Um, And my pops and I were some of the first people back here in St. Bernard Parish uh, just because... Um, he's, as people will find out if they don't already know, he was a, he was a judge. Uh, he just retired. So we were able to get in early to check on everything. And we also stayed through the entire hurricane mm-hmm. down here, which was even, which was crazy too. 
All that being said, I helped gut this fucking house, and I know exactly what it's fucking like going through all that rebuild and all that uh, redo, so to speak. So we'll move on from that. But back to so now after Katrina, you really start at Snakes is when you start. Uh, no, I'd, I'd been bartending there for a few years before okay. that. Um, what did happen post Katrina is mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, it was me and this woman Robin. Who were kind of you know running the holding the joint down for the first few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elaine came in a little after that and was helping out as well, um, <clears throat> along with the owner Dave, who Dave's, cannot be discounted. Oh, Dave's the best. I love Dave. <laughs> Dave Clement or Clements? Clements. Clements. Yeah, Multiple Dave Clements. Dave Clements. Not the Dave Clements from Saint Bernard Parish. Different Dave Clements. This guy's a musician. I'm unaware of that day, Clements. It's just somebody, if people that listen to this that know me, because they know me from high school, he went to high school uh, gotcha. a few years before me, that's all. Really nice okay. guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, military guy, too. All right. Yeah, really nice guy, but um, not the same person. I believe a Marine. Okay. Don't quote me on that, because he's, I, mean, I went to school with his little brother. He was a few years older. Gotcha. But I think he's he's probably your age. Okay. Um, no matter what, nice guy. So, Dave Clements, <clears throat> and you had been there for a few years, and so now, fuck, what are we at? How many years are you now, right today? It's, it's been today, a long it's, time. To be perfectly frank, <clears throat> 97 through 2001, I consider that my college block and mm-hmm. everything that happened during then. There's some order in my head still left. Right. But I know that it all happened, the specific order. I don't know. Let's go at least 20 years. That's fucking <laughs> crazy, Ben. I wish. I wish they would have allowed me to do that at the columns. I'm not going to get into any kind of he said, she said of why I'm no longer at the columns, but that I really wanted to do that at that place. I wanted to retire from that place to owning my own my own uh, bar. Understandable, but you know it didn't work out. No big deal. No, but sometimes you get the, the the key is finding someone you can get along with and someone you can respect. That's the truth, and I did not get along and that with goes, or respect. Has to go both ways. No, I didn't re- get along with or respect the owners. To be perfectly honest, <clears throat> so it and works that's out. okay. Yeah, you know absolutely. if it's. Sadly, all those all those boxes have to be ticked. It can't just be a pretty room. That's the truth. Things are great at Lucy's right now. Um, the things that people bitch about of a, the quote-unquote corporate nature of it, they need to get over themselves. They don't know what they're talking about. Because I've worked for Centerplate, as I've talked about on this podcast before. That's real corporate. That shit sucks. No, understandable. I <clears throat> And I'll have to apologize having... I've stopped by a couple of times. No, I don't right. think I've found you at work. No. But I'll be honest, when I say a couple, I mean two. <laughs> I'm not no, trying to mince word. You and Amanda affected me one mm-hmm. time about it. I know. Absolutely. <clears throat> but, you know, by and large, it's it's not the corporate nature that bothers me. It's I don't like places that large. The intimacy is what I like in a bar experience. When I'm at a bar... Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. I'm off, I'm off uh, mic right now. Pouring us some water. No, when I'm at a bar, the bar that, as I've said... Time and time again, and I'm kind of glazing over specifics of Snake and Jake's because I don't want to just romanticize a bar that I love. It is as you already know, and as many of my, our, my, any of that listeners know, Snake and Jake's is absolutely, I think we have enough ice in there right now. We're okay. Yeah. Um, Snake and Jake's is absolutely my favorite bar in the world. I send more customers to Snake and Jake's. Than any other bar, the only thing close, and it's not even close, is Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop. And it's for a similar reason. 
I don't spend enough time at Lafitte's to comment with enough education to have my opinion be heard. But I, is that what makes Lafitte's the same? The average quality of conversational interest that you can have with a random person you meet at the bar? Because I think, honestly, I, I would love to take credit for what's great about snakes, and I don't think it's me. I'm pretty sure it's who happens to be there so regularly that it's a living beast in and of its own. I mean, maybe we've manicured the people who come there based on the way that we as a staff react to our customer base. Mm -hmm. But you guys entertain each other and us much better than we could do it the other way around. That 150 million, billion, trillion percent, whatever little goofy thing you want to say or hear me say about that, that is the absolute truth because I cannot think of another bar that I've gone to more alone that I did not work at. And a lot of people will be like, Oh, it's, I would never go to a bar alone. Why, how can you go to a bar alone? Simple. You haven't gone to a good bar yet. <laughs> exactly. That. And when you go to a bar like snake and Jake's, um, old school bud rips was similar to this, but it was mainly because I don't have a knife back here. Yeah. Mainly because we had so many friends that went there at that point. But once you become friends with regulars, it's a whole different type of friendship where you don't have to deal with the same bullshit. And I don't mean bullshit in a bad way at all. That's just me using this one. I still has a bit of juice left in it too. That's just me using a stronger word just to use it because The bullshit that comes up is is what it is. It is bullshit sometimes. It's yeah. silly. Sometimes it's time-wasting and incredibly mm -hmm. frustrating. But then again, how incredibly frustrating is it to go through a month of your life without any significant memories at all? Yeah. You know, at least the things that are happening around me on a regular basis are, you know, sometimes they're stressful, but it's real stuff happening. It's not someone kvetching about not getting the right color purse. Oh, my God. <laughs> Truth. Dude, uh, and you know something that I'm not, or that, or that, you know, or that Bob couldn't get the murdered out Land Rover that he wanted in the time that he wanted it. It's going to take six weeks and not three. <laughs> oh my God. Right. That's the fucking truth. Um, but yeah, as I, as I always say, the best bars. Sorry, I'm loud. No. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop the uh, I'll drop the ice on that. I'm not worried about that. I can drop the sound on that, but right in front. As I uh, as I always tell people, the, there's the two best bars in the world, and people can disagree with me all they want about the first one that I'm going to say: college bars and dive bars. College bars, because when people go to college bars, they want to think about getting laid and forgetting about school. When people go to dive bars, they want to think about maybe getting laid, but thinking about forgetting about their fucking job and all this bullshit and or school. So everyone is just there specifically to have a good time only. Nothing more, nothing less. Whereas you go to certain bars um, in certain areas, it's about progressing your career because you want to rub elbows with someone else at another firm or this or that or the other. And that's a good thing. You need that in bars. You do. 
But it's not necessarily what I want to deal with because the conversation is not engaging to me. It's engaging to other people, but not me personally. I'd rather have, it doesn't have to be an artistic conversation, but an engaging different conversation with different point of views. Cheers, buddy. Cheers to that, right? There's for me, I was reading a other, I believe reading an article or watching some, you know, short piece of uh, film work about their supposition of how the, our current restaurant culture started, you know, after the fall of, and this was someone else's story. It may not be true, but I think it mm-hmm. fits my story. Um, <clears throat> that the whole modern restaurant movement started after the French Revolution, where you had all these incredibly skilled culinary figures that used to serve the royal family that couldn't afford them anymore, mm-hmm. that weren't, didn't exist anymore. And so they built restaurants, you know, that to make well-moneyed, the well-moneyed landed gentry feel like aristocracy for a night. That's a fucking great, if it's not true, that's a great fucking take on <laughs> right. our, our right. industry, even though we could all get in our phones right now, but we're just going to use this as an example. Of like I, the ongoing joke about this is I'm not Joe Rogan. That's why we only record for an hour or less. <laughs> I can't support three hours. That's, that's clear, but whatever. But we don't have young Jamie. We don't <laughs> somebody typing shit up and looking it up for us. I, I hope to have that one day. Mm-hmm. All jokes aside. Um, but no, we don't have somebody fact checking right. for us. So take it, take it with a grain of salt, my friends. Um, but in the course of this explanation that I'm trying to put forth is that there seemed to be, especially with the advent of, you know, of mixology and craft cocktail mm-hmm. bars and, in you know, to, from a certain perspective, the expansion of the restaurant bar idea into a the business quote unquote model in and of itself. Sure. <clears throat> um, I find aristocracy corrosive. Yeah. And I don't like its trappings. Yeah. And I, I and I want to be at a place like Snakes to make average, but not quote unquote average people. I'm not taking anything away from anyone who goes there. Uh-huh. People. Make everyone who walks in feel equal, feel welcome, and feel taken care of. So that being said, that goes directly to two restaurant um, legends, so to speak. They're not legends in the sense of Miss Lee Chase, rest her soul, we'll get to her later, um, or uh, Chef Paul Perdome, rest his soul as well. We're not going to get to him, but I mean, he may come up. But specifically... Um, Jack, I don't know his last name, but from Giacomo's. Lenardi. Jack Lenardi and Vincent Caponato, I believe is his last name, from Vincent's. Mm-hmm. I went to school with little Vincent, who is the shit. Both incre- These are two my two favorite restaurants in the city, probably. My favorite Italian, without a doubt, at Vincent's. And Giacomo's is my favorite just all-around experience at a restaurant, if not mm-hmm. my favorite restaurant, period. So I'm talking high praise when I say these things. Um, if it comes off at first as negative. The point is... Talking to Mr. Vincent and talking to Jack and or talking to Poncho, who used to be the executive over at Superior Grill. He's a very good friend of ours. Um, was a regular at the columns every day, like a champion. Wow, I love that guy. Anyway, the whole point of both of those restaurants, from what I understand, is if you're on the streetcar and you're wearing a tank top and you're just doing your thing and you're sightseeing and you see their restaurant, come in, please, and enjoy the true the truly finest, it's a weird way to say it, but 
the best taste of New Orleans you can possibly have. It doesn't matter how you are. Just and come as you are. That's what drew me here and has kept me here. It's mm-hmm. that New Orleans issues pretense. We don't care who you are. Just be fun to be next to. Right. I don't care if you live under a bridge or own half the city or drink your lunch every day. Just be nice. I've, yeah, that's the truth. Speaking of Dr. Bob, right? Um, that's the truth. Um, I saw that, or I've seen that so many times at Snakes. So many, let alone get rid of the Bette Midler picture behind the bar, mm-hmm. which is probably the most iconic part of Snakes to me. Not that I even care about Bette Midler. It's just, I always see it and just, boom, just drawn right to it every mm-hmm. time. But if you go on my Facebook and you see the picture of me, uh, Joel, our good friend, and Joey Jaws on a Sunday night, just kicking it. <laughs> Fucking the hot dog eating champion. Mm-hmm. I'm in Snakes just hanging out. Drinking my Jameson, sipping on my Miller Lite like I normally do because once you graduate, not literally graduate, but once you become a regular and not a, I don't mean this as derogatory as it sounds, but not a douchebag at Snakes, once you just kind of do your thing and you just go there, you can order what you want. You don't have to well, quote unquote get schlitz. Agreed. Well, I will say this. There's, there's tourism at all levels. Of course. You know, there's even local tourism like, you know. I could go and drive up to Covington and start hanging out in a bar in Covington. I'm still a tourist because I want to see how other people live. That's the truth. And that, yeah, there's a skillful way to be a tourist and a respectful way to be a tourist. And then there's what you're talking about. There is. There is. (laughs) But because I was able to, because I've been going there long enough and everything, it's not just about that. I mean, it's in a positive way. Mm -hmm. I don't get schlitz anymore is what I'm saying, guys. I drink, I drink what I want to drink when I'm in there. Like I don't feel pressured because I, it's as if I don't belong and I want to try and fit in. That's the nice way to say it. So anyway, when me and Joey Jaws were kicking it, just randomly, I'm just talking to some nice-ass dude. He's the nicest guy in the world. Come to find out he's a hot dog eating champion. Yeah, that, That's just how it works. That's how Snake... And the point of that is there's no real point. That's how Snake says. Everyone just kind of kicks it. No one, Nobody cares. I'm glad he came in, yeah. back in... I don't know when he came in the first time, but oh, I, yeah. I got, I got, I got oh, a chance to hang out with the man as, as well. He's, he's, he's fantastic. He's a gentleman. That's, and the reason why he went there is because he knew he would be treated right there. Not just He's he's a non-face celebrity in the sense that people aren't going to recognize him. That's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. If I would have said, oh my God, Joey Jaws is fucking here, everyone would have freaked out and mobbed him. Right. I would never, just like any other customer at Snake's. Would never. Or any other regular at Snakes. Because you, yeah, you have bad seats everywhere. It's, it's not what you do. No. That's, not, that's part of the moment. And as a staff, we try to make sure it doesn't happen as well. Because one of the great edicts of the place is nobody cares who, who you are, but we care about everybody. Exactly. That is you know, we have, we, have, we have you know lots of people whose names you'd recognize and faces you'd recognize have spent time there. And that's their business. It's not yours. The... I don't like I don't like people taking pictures. I definitely don't like people oh, taking no. video. Dude, the fucking lighting. I want you in there? to feel free to enjoy yourself. Oh yeah, you dude. So for anyone that does not know what Snake and Jake's is out there, Google it. I recommend not Googling it and just going. That's what I always tell people. But if you need to have a reference, Google it first. The point is, when you Google it, it'll have some pictures of the inside, and you'll notice that there are no lighting fixtures anywhere. There's no light anywhere. All they have is Christmas lights, Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge. Andrew will expound on that in a second. But for that reason, they still only have Christmas lights. And I wanted to say earlier, when I first started going there, 
I miss those grape lights. You remember the fucking old grape mm-hmm. lights? Oh my god, those things are so fucking cool. <clears throat> and we found them again. Oh, yeah. Um, <sighs> They're so cool. Well, the Christmas thing, from what I understand, once again, this is all, you know, conjecture and rumor sure. that I've chosen not to research because a romantic story. Oh, a romantic, a, a romantic lie is so much better than a real story. Yeah, or even an urban legend. Or even an urban legend. <clears throat> but, you know, some of this stuff comes from my old neighbor, Russell, who... Uh, Love that man. Helped me through a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, he was born in the house two, two doors down, I guess, 75 years ago, 78 years ago at this point. Uh, I'm sad to say I'm not exactly sure how old Russell is at this point. Sure. Um, but if I'm, if it's to believe, be believed, the place started out as a, a shack that distrib- distributed coal and fuel to That's the That's right. Yeah, I've heard that. Mm, not in the late him, teens. And before we built out a little shelf in the front, you can see there's a little uh, a bowing out of the bottom half of the wall that's built out of this this weird stucco that I'd never seen in any other building that the most of the building is constructed of. It's mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a metal mesh with nicotine and bubblegum. Yeah. It's <laughs> sin. Lots of sin. Lots of sin, yep. Uh, Sin's powerful guys. <laughs> but you know, the old story was that it always made it was always weird to me. It's not a straight down wall. It's like the the lower half of the wall has got a gut. Yeah. It's got a beer gut. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> supposedly, they <laughs> they put the current air conditioner in the hole through which they used to deliver coal. <laughs> <laughs> and the pot belly ma- in the wall made sure that it piled out and not up. Okay. <clears throat> to uh, block the chute. Not at all. I mean, if that's true, sense. fantastic. If it's not, who cares? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's our, There's this old, uh, it comes up. Clearly once a fucking year or two or some bullshit on Facebook memories. But I'll never forget. It was um probably like 2014 or 13 or something like that. I'm in there when I was still working, uh, doing the food member stuff in the convention center. So I was in there in a full suit and tie about to go to work because I couldn't go to sleep before my shift because I had just gotten off work at the bar. Go right into it. So I'm just wasting time. And there's a fucking light. It looks like a, <laughs> like a sewer drain. In the middle of the bar. Yeah, I've never it's, seen it. There's a manhole cover there. <laughs> it's um, fucking crazy. Have you ever opened it? Yeah. I just want to get fed. I just want to have fun. I just want to get wasted. 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 I just want to have fun. Tonight. I've been with my girls and And twist it all up If you got some good trees Then you hold it on up Smooth, smooth Drop it, drop it, drop it down low Low You over there, girl, let's go Go Somewhere we can talk private Here we are on the islands Girl, just vibing You can't deny it Girl, just try it She dirty one for me later Smooth operator The moves that you're doing Me may call you over later She dirty one for me later Smooth operator The moves that you're doing Me may call you over later I just hate it Drive me crazy, my oh my Don't you leave me baby, I need you baby right by my side Cause see I never met a woman like you in a long time And if you leave with me girl 
Just wanna get faded 